And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News joining us now. And, uh, Michael, welcome back to the show. Enjoyed uh, reading some of your work today uh, about uh, about uh, man Tyron Smith. And I thought, I think I'll track down Michael. So uh, thanks for being on with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. The uh, inside the greatness of Cowboys left tackle Tyron Smith and as you described it, the indiscriminate havoc from his hands. By the way, that's a Bill Parcells, like that was his favorite word ever, was indiscriminate. He loved to, he loved to say, and he loved the word mercurial, and he didn't always use it correctly. He thought that meant like mercury rising, like he's a, he was like an unbelievable talent. Like he, he, he kind of had an interesting interpretation of, mercurial but when i see the indiscriminate the first thing i think about is bill parcells but tyron smith i like it when you do a deep dive into one of these things and this was about that initial punch and how you're basically it's over once he gets his hands on you and obviously you looks like you've been working on this one for a little while um it it, and then you showed a picture the morning news took a picture uh of his hands, and I mean, I think it's a reminder of how violent this game is, but it's also something, Michael, that I think Tyron takes some pride in, the fact that basically every one of his fingers has been either broken or dislocated. Um, he doesn't mind that his fingers go a, a few different directions. Yeah, football is an inherently violent sport, and so when you have somebody – who stands out among the crowd of just being this inherently violent puncher, it's really, really interesting to capture. And I, you know, I, I say that we're enjoyed in terms of enjoyed putting this story together, but the truth of it is I, I enjoyed it, but also it, 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 was a, it was a real challenge. It was a, a real undertaking because um, I really wanted to, to capture Tyron, capture his physicality, capture what makes him great. You know, I wanted to write a story that, you know, 10, 15 years from now when people are talking about Pro Football Hall of Fame and they want to figure out, like, okay, well, what, 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 who, who was Tyron as a player? I wanted to write something that people could, you know, look back upon and, and read and hear how his colleagues you know, discussed his abilities and say, okay, yeah, that's, that's what made him great. And so for this story, just I, I think it, it, it really just – um, you know, a lot of quotes from, 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 from players. I wanted to kind of just not get in the way as a writer and just kind of let them talk because I think they really tell the story of just what it feels like to be punched by, by Tyron Smith when you've got his, you know, palm just stabbing your chest or stabbing your shoulder, a uh, former teammate of his in a rudimentary drill back in 2014, you know, gives him a look in training camp and Tyron throws a punch and the guy, Darren Weems, suffers a, a torn labrum and is out for the season because of Tyron's punch. Like, that's, that's not supposed to happen. Um, but with his attention to detail, the way he's throwing his punch and walkthroughs, um, consistently working on his craft, um, I, I think it's, it was fun to, to, to kind of shine a light on some of those things because it is pretty epic. And we all know that Tyron Smith, when healthy, 
makes the Cowboys better. We also know that Tyron Smith hasn't of late been able to consistently stay healthy. And I think the conversation has kind of gotten away from, yeah, you know, okay, yeah, you know, it's the injuries, you know, it's, it's, you know, how long can you stay healthy and all that, those things matter. But also matters the fact that this guy, when healthy, is elite. What makes him elite? That's the question that this story mm-hmm. sought to answer. And Tyler Smith, I mean, it was interesting to hear McCarthy say that might have been their best game since he was here. And we just don't get to see them always play together. And I thought that was interesting part of the story is kind of like Tyler Smith immediately was taken under Tyron's, uh, you know, they, they, they really work together well. And he's kind of adopted uh, some of what Tyron's done. And it's just it is it's an art to it, isn't there? I mean, it's like there was a certain way of doing things, and it was like, no, hey, get your elbows closer together, get your hands up higher at this level, and and but it's really it's kind of interesting that that you can basically end it for a defensive end or linebacker or whoever with that initial push, and then I think the next part of that, uh, Michael, is when. People think it's holding every time you grab something, right, or grip something. But as long as those hands are kind of in there, I mean, you you know, it's that's part of being a great tackle or guard or any kind of lineman is being able to punch and then that grip strength and then the art of it to, to go. And it sounds like it's almost like a, a, a puncher or a boxer, fighter. His left hand, his left jab – is what separates him from everybody, at least of his era. It's his left jab that just absolutely annihilates people. And it kind of reminds me almost of Flozell Adams. Uh, People don't remember him as being great, but he did have a period of time where he was unbelievable. And and it was kind of this similar deal. Now, he was just massive. But it it was just an uncommon strength, like Larry Allen had that. But this is a technique that goes along with him being strong. And uh, that's interesting to think back, like, how he got so good at that. Like, how, you know, who was who was his, when he was Tyler Smith's age, who was his guy that kind of worked with him and, and helped him? And I started thinking back about the fact he started in, what, 2011. But, I yeah. mean, somebody had to work with him on that. Yeah, in 2012, that's when he made his, from the right tackle to the left tackle spot, and that's also when Bill Callahan, uh, you know, obviously a very well-respected offensive line mind, that's when he became the Cowboys' offensive line coach. And so I think Callahan, um, you know, there's you know, obviously a number of, of coaches, you get a wealth of voices and insight from people as, as you can decide kind of what you want to take and make your own. But um, yeah, I think Bill Callahan certainly was a voice that meant a lot to Tyron as he kind of got up. And you're growing in the league. I mean, teammates aside, uh, but just from a coaching standpoint, you, know, you watch other people around the league. Uh, you know, Trent Williams, uh, the Brickshaw Ferguson. I mean, there's 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 guys that he mentioned as well. I mean, honestly, this is maybe the longest story I've ever written. Hopefully, it doesn't feel on when you're reading it because of the way I structured it. But it easily could have been longer. Uh, it easily could have been longer because you're talking. I'm thinking about different things that different people told me that. I just wasn't able to include, um, you know, Dak talking about how he believes that sometimes Tyron gets called for holding just because his grip is so good and guys can't get out and they're fighting and he's locked in and, and, and you almost assume as an official that the guy who's unable to ride himself away is, is you know, assume that he's being held, but 
is not. It's just tiring. Um, and so there's all kinds of, of anecdotes to this thing mm-hmm. uh, in terms of capturing who Tyron Smith is. But the, the, the one thing I think is important is that, yeah, he is in, incredibly strong in terms of, you know, his, his, his punch and, and you know, the power that he generates. Yes, he's also extremely athletic in terms of his feet, his balance. Um, for as heavy-handed he is, he's as light with his feet, and I focus on the hands. But um, you know, the, those, those two things you know work in harmony. Um, but there's just—he's just so difficult to beat. I think hopefully you get an appreciation for it. Where if you're a edge rusher and you want to get around him, you got to deal with his outside hand that you mentioned, that left-hand punch that he's got. If you want to go through him because if you're going to go around him on the edge you're going to go inside him or you're going to go through him with your with power and, and you're not going to see Tyron Smith get bull rushed too very often because of the strength and then if you want to go inside him well he's right-handed and that that right hand punch is is vicious and gets him back on balance and now you've got Tyler Smith playing beside him and so it makes it even more of a challenge to beat him inside when you when you've got um, that chemistry that the Cowboys um, hope continues to develop with them be on the field together. So it's, it's, I think, again, just an appreciation for what makes Tyron Smith great. And now with the Cowboys deciding to pull the reins off of him in terms of practice load during the week, makes a whole lot of sense. And you see the way that he throws his hands and walk through. If there's anybody on the team who can get in his work by doing walkthrough reps alone and not practice, it's Tyron Smith because of the way that he, conducts himself during a walkthrough that is unlike anything maybe in the NFL, certainly in the Cowboys, where a guy goes that hard and, and props to Earl Bossick Jr., the undrafted rookie offensive tackle, who's kind of the hero of the story. If he's the one who's, who's taking um, you know, all those blows in practice, he, he estimated me like maybe 100 a day uh, between practice and walkthrough to get Tyron Smith ready for, for a game. So fewer now with no practice time, but, but just walkthroughs, he's, 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 he's taking those licks. It's going to end Earl's career, but uh, but he's putting in the work. I mean, it's that's a that's a tough thing to basically be a blocking dummy, uh, and and to take all that uh, abuse. And the coaches, I think, learned have learned just not to get over there. It is funny that he doesn't take it easy on anybody, whether it's Schottenheimer or Solari, the O line coach, whoever kind of goes over there and stands over him. He's going to give the same level of force, and it's uh, it's kind of crazy, but it's it's the impressive part of it. He's kind of maniacal uh, in his pursuit of that, um, and I thought that was a good quote. Uh, Michael Gelkin with us on the Matt Mosley Show from the Dallas Morning News. The story was in the Morning News, and I was reading it this morning, um, that Lane Johnson, it's not always easy to get an opposing team, especially a hated rival to like, I mean, like they used to hate Flozell, like Justin Tuck and all them. I mean, they hated him. I mean, it was just like they weren't going to say anything nice about him. But like, this is a fellow offensive lineman that plays for the Eagles, and he gave you the quote, like, um, basically saying he'll be a Hall of Famer when I'm watching him. When I see the very best of Tyron Smith, he can play with any guy that's ever played the position. Well, that I mean that Lane Johnson's considered the best right tackle in the game, so I think that was uh, that's pretty cool when when an opponent like that has that kind of reverence for a a player on an opposing team, a rival team. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it speaks it speaks volumes. Um, so it's not just the teammates, it's not just coaches. It's it's the, it's the guys who who face them. So yeah, I, I, I like I said, it was, um, it was it was a lot of work to put it together. You know, you, you're working two sides of things where you know, you're at the Cowboys game in Philadelphia. You put in the work in the home locker room, and then you say to yourself, "All right, let me go see if I can get you know Josh Sweat, or if I can get." Lane Johnson, you know, who's in, who's in the locker room that would be qualified to, to talk about yeah. Tyron Smith. So I, I hope I did him justice. Um, you know, I appreciate you having me talking about it. Cause it's, yeah. I think it's important because, you know, it's, it's it, it, as, as a reporter, like, you know, if, theoretically, if this was my last season covering the Cowboys, like, I, there's, there's certain stories that you want to do. Like, I, I, you want to cover the greats that you cover. Like, you know, I mean, cover them. I mean, like, really tell their story and, and help people understand what makes them great. I think there's a responsibility sometimes as a reporter to make sure that if something's going on around you that's special, um, but it happens every all the time, that you still capture it in some way, uh, you know, in a memorable fashion, so that years from now, when people wonder what made that guy great, you know, it's 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 there. It's 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's readable. It's tangible. It's you can hear people's voices, and so you know, I, I think it's it, it was it was something that was important to me to write because I think Tyron's that that good, and, and people maybe know that he's good but don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And I think this is about the why. You think the Cowboys have um, even more confidence? I feel like they came out of that Eagles game, and maybe the fans and everybody were upset, but the team itself seemingly I think they feel better about themselves than at any point this season. Is that the way, is that the feeling you've gotten in the locker room? And do you sense, especially with these beatable teams coming up, do you sense maybe that they're about to go on a bit of a run here? I think they could, absolutely. Um, you, you do get that feeling a little bit. I kind of want to be careful with it just because, you know, they got to do it. Um, that's the most mm-hmm. important thing. But I could, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a narrative when we look back at you know this regular season, say it's January, start of the postseason, and we're looking back at the Cowboys. Obviously, a lot of things can can happen. You know, season can go awry, things can happen. But theoretically, if, if we're in the, if we're talking about Cowboys being the postseason, and we look about how they got there, I think we look back at the 49ers loss as being extremely good for them. You look at what CD Lamb's done since then. You look at Dak Prescott, what he's doing after 2.3 seconds. He's being much more active with his feet, extending plays, and his passing game has completely been transformed because of both those things. Dak's footwork in the pocket, extending plays, and C.D. Lamb's involvement. That came out of the 49ers game. Now, this Eagles game, I think it was just even more confidence because you looked at the way the Cowboys ran the football. Um, obviously, that fourth quarter, you know, they only scored six points, they had two scores, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion that were reversed, um, but they, they felt like they were there. I think there's, there's a confidence that does come from that uh, when you feel like that, that game easily could have swung in your direction. Um, so if you were to look at the Cowboys, you know, if, should they win Sunday, which many believe against the New York Giants, whom they beat 40-0 two months ago, that they will be able to beat them. They'll be two games back in the NFC East. Uh, Eagles are on a bye this weekend. Eagles come back from that bye, and I don't have the Philadelphia schedule right in front of me, but they play the likes of Philadelphia, San Francisco, Buffalo, Seattle, Dallas, in Dallas. And yeah. that, you know, especially let's say the Cowboys are, are, to, are to, to, to win against the Eagles in, in Dallas. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys were favored that game uh, at home, given the way that they played, if that holds up. You know, all, all, all the 
Cowboys are going to do is make up one other game, and, and then you start getting a tiebreaker, tiebreaker scenarios atop the NFC East. So they're very much in the thick of it here in early November, uh, mid-November. So, um, yeah, I think there is confidence that comes from that, but it's also early, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But there, there is a, a very tangible, visible alley ahead where you can kind of see things falling into place for the Cowboys, where they do look back on some of the big losses on the road and believe that was the best thing for them at that particular juncture. Last thing I had, Martavis Bryant, being around him a little bit. He was, uh, you guys talked to him the other day. Uh, he was always a big, lean, pretty imposing guy because he, he red zone. I mean, it, it was pretty wild to have been out for like five seasons or whatever it is. Um, when you kind of are around him and maybe talk to people that have known him and maybe looked at what he did in the XFL, like, is this kind of just a flyer, or do you? Is there a part of you that thinks we may actually see him contribute at some point this season? I know I know Martavis back from Oakland. Uh, I covered the Raiders when he was there. Uh, was there in mm-hmm. his introductory press conference when they acquired him? Um, maybe I'm thinking of Antonio Brown. No, I think I'm. I forget what it was. Um, I think it was. I think it was Martavis Bryant. But I, I was there for all for all of it um, until I, I left here uh, to cover the Cowboys um, in 2019. So I have a pretty good feel for Martavis. I have a pretty good feel for his abilities, for his strengths, and the areas of the game that he needs to work upon. And it's been it's been a while. It's been five years since he's been in the NFL. Yeah, he was he was fast then. He was tall then. He's still tall, and he's I'm sure pretty fast as well uh, now. But he's 31, and he's not the most uh, positional flex type of guy in terms of is he you know one one on first down he can be your X, and then second down he can be your flanker. Uh, you know, third down, he can be your Z, or he can motion from one position to the other. You know, he's not that. At least he wasn't in Oakland, and and so that that works against him in his offense, especially if you are learning on the fly, you know, picking up a playbook in November. That is inherently difficult for anybody, and I think it'd be a challenge uh, for for Mercedes. Um And then from there it's, it's about timing and, and all those sorts of things that come with the details of executing a passing game when you're running 19, 20 miles per hour on, on the fly. So I, I think I have questions about his ability to contribute this year. And I think that's entirely valid. I think it's an incredible story. You know, he's, he's worked, he's worked his tail off to get back to this point, And I think that should be you know appreciated. Um, but if you start shifting gears and talking about a pure football standpoint, how can this guy help the Cowboys? I think there are more questions there than, than answers. Um, obviously, he's new to the building, and so the Cowboys themselves have questions. I think it, it makes sense to, to pick him up, um, but to me, it almost feels like a very Jerry Jones move where we're picking him up. They pick up a player for you know practice squad salary, and all of a sudden we're talking about him a whole lot and keeping the Cowboys interesting. You know, it, it almost feels like that sort of a thing. Um, but let's let's wait and see how uh, you know, Martavis Bryant you know looks in practice uh, as he gets into football shape. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think people are probably making too much of the move mm-hmm. just based on the guy has missed a lot of time, and it, it's a challenge to really get up to speed in this offense with what they ask of their receivers. As Jerry said, he knows how to stir things up, even though it's been many, many years since they've uh, made an NFC title game. Uh, he knows how to kind of keep people's interest, and he kind of joked about that even 
today. Michael, great job on that. I really enjoyed it and uh, always love a deep dive like that where you talk to a lot of people. And I think it was time well spent and enjoyed that. And thanks for being on with us. Look forward to seeing you in person out there on uh, on Sunday afternoon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'll see you Sunday, Matt. Okay, there he goes. Michael Gelkin, Dallas.